So when you go and ask people to RSVP, they reply to you. And this is the situation that we have in the gospel today. But Ian said, I'll be there. And you know what it's like when you have RSVPs and then they don't show up. Imagine an entire party in which all the people that RSVP'd, they all said, no, I can't come after all. You have all this nice food, all the preparations that you've made, and you don't have the people there. You said they would be there. So how did the perspective of these people, the three in the gospel, go so far off? that they felt like the things that they mentioned were so much more important. We look at them and we say they're foolish because, of course, we know that the banquet is the kingdom of God. This is a parable about the kingdom of God. And so how foolish are they that they choose whatever else instead of the kingdom of God? But imagine if instead it was just a banquet. So the banquet is just a banquet. It's not the kingdom of God. Now we see that they have good reasons. If you look at their reasons. I know we're supposed to read this parable and say how foolish they are that they don't go to the banquet. But listen closely to their reasonings. We have someone who just purchased a field and he needs to go and inspect the field. So he's being prudent. This is a good Christian virtue, is he not? And then we have another person who has go, who's purchased oxen. He's being a good steward of his money. He wants to make sure that the oxen that he's purchased are in good health. So he's being a good steward. And of course, that last one we like to laugh about, I have a wife, so I can't come, right? But don't we do this in our marriages? We recognize the dynamic within our marriage, and we go, I shouldn't go to that thing. I shouldn't do this because we care about the harmony and the peace in our marriage. So you see, they actually had good reasons. We have to understand that to really understand this gospel. They had good reasons, reasons that are even virtuous. But we at the same time understand that it all just depends on the perspective. Because if it's just a banquet, the reasons are quite good. If it is the kingdom of God and eternal life, the reasoning is quite bad. So it depends very much on the perspective. What do I mean by this? How we have a perspective towards our own lives. Because we have little parties along the way, but there's only one banquet that we should be focused upon. Only one banquet. And if everything in our life is understood through the lens of that one great banquet, I suggest that our decision-making will be quite different. But I want to point out that these three people, they had their own logic, their logic made sense, and even with the wrong perspective, their logic could be understood as virtuous. But they had the wrong perspective because they didn't see the big picture of what this is about. Because the parable is a parable that is a story for each of us to understand not about a banquet with food and eating, but about the kingdom of God. Our Lord says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. All these things. What is he referring to? Everything. Everything. 
Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Our priority, our first priority, is our focus upon God and upon eternal life. Today we commemorate the Holy Fathers, the Holy Forefathers, those who are the ancestors of Christ. And these are those who showed an unwavering love to our God and fidelity to God, even in the most difficult situations. In Hebrews chapter 11, there's that beautiful passage that St. Paul talks about, by faith, Abraham, da, 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 by faith, Moses, by faith, by faith. He repeats this again and again. And you look at their lives, at Abraham, who sacrificed his own son, right? He was willing to sacrifice his own son. That is fidelity to God, such a fidelity that we can't even comprehend. We can't even imagine what is, that is like. But he understood his priority is to God. Why? Because God is the giver of all good things. He knew that God would sort all of this out. He had faith in God. And likewise with Moses. You remember as soon as he crossed the Red Sea, all of the people started talking against him. They were happy to be delivered until they were delivered to the desert. And then they weren't so happy. The children of Israel said to Moses and Aaron, Would we have died smitten by the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and ate bread to the full? For you brought us out into this desert to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And this is what he faced again and again, their unfaithfulness. And yet again and again, his unwavering focus upon our Lord. Whatever God said, that's what Moses did again and again. The hallmarks that we see in these holy forefathers and in, in holy people is that people don't understand them. They murmur against them. And that the holy person loves the people more and does better for them. It's a paradox. They're, for holy people, they're less understood by the people around them. And yet they love those people more than the other people around them love them. It's a great paradox. But this is all because they are filled with divine love. And this is what I want to talk about the most today. The difference between human love and divine love. Because what we see in the Gospels was a human love and a human understanding, not a divine love. The difference between human love and divine love is that our human love is centered upon our ego. Now this is very obscured much of the time. Much of the time, we're not aware of our ego's part in it. We do things for other people, we're kind to them, we take care of them. But if we look deeper, so often our love is filled with expectations and filled with needs. I need this from that person. I need them to love me, and so I do this thing for them to make sure that I feel the sense that they love me. Or I expect from them that they do this, that, and the other thing. Then I'll be doing, continue to do these good things for them. Our love is contingent. Depends on circumstances. It wavers. This is our human love. And this is why our Lord said those very strong words, 
He who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Worthy of me. He wasn't saying don't love your father and mother and sister and brother. But he was giving us a prism through which we can look to see what does divine love look like? What does the love of God look like? If we focus upon Christ, we become filled with divine love. And this love that we have towards the other people around us is very much transformed. So God doesn't say that because he's selfish, because he wants all the love, and you can't love other people. This is sometimes how we might read that in our, in our foolishness. But rather, our love of all the people around us becomes greater if our love is focused upon Christ alone. Focus upon Christ alone. When we focused on God first and foremost, our love is purified and expands. But unfortunately, most of the time, we remain in a human love with needs and expectations. We make idols of people instead. And this is the problem with that third person in particular in the gospel reading, is that he's made his spouse into an idol. Whatever she wants is what I'll do. Again, if we're talking about it as a focus on the kingdom of God, Sometimes it's so right to do that for the other person. Sometimes it truly is self-sacrifice and emptying of ourselves. And other times it's because my peace resides in the other person. And if that other person is upset, then I'm in turmoil. So I need to do this thing because I don't want that person upset because my well-being depends on the other person. That's human love. You see, God has given us our families and our loved ones out of his love for us. But we in our brokenness love in a human way, not a divine way. So to understand better the difference between human love and divine love, these are the things that we see in human love. If we have any anxiety or worry or fear, and now that's all of us, we can all raise our hands, right? Who doesn't have anxiety or worry about your loved ones? then it's a human love. It's a human love. Because it's a love that says, I can't handle if something changes in their life, or if they're falling away from the faith, or whatever it may be in their life. Their well-being causes my well-being, and so their lack of well-being causes my lack of well-being. That's a human love. A human love says, that I must have certain things from people. I have my expectations and my needs. And so it's a quid pro quo. I do these things for the person so that I get the things back that validate I'm a good person, validate that I'm a loving person, whatever it may be. And always an indicator of human love is that second layer of thoughts. Instead of being simple, doing an action, I'm thinking, well, should I do that? Or I did that, and now what do they think of me? Or how, how is this going to be constantly in a, in a world of thoughts in our head? We care too much what people think. Imagine if Moses, when he was in the desert, was concerned about what people thought. He would have turned right back around to Egypt right away. Or Abraham, what are people going to think if I'm going to take my son and go try to sacrifice him? And yet our lives are so filled by what other people think. And these other people, they may be our loved ones. And so again, it's about the perspective. 
we go to the gospel reading, what I'm trying to say, and forgive me if I'm not saying this clearly, their actions were virtuous if we have the wrong perspective. This is what I see in my own life. I do things that, to my mind, they're virtuous to other people because I'm not looking deeper to see that, in fact, these actions are because I care so much about what the other person thinks. I care so much that I, I want them to have a pers- particular view of me. I want them to love me back, and so I'll do these things. We do this in our families. We do this in our church communities. And what happens as a result is all of these become idols to us. We have to have it in a particular way. My church community has to be in this way. My marriage has to be in this way. My children have to behave in this way. I see this in my life. That so much is about my own needs and my own wants. And how do I know that that's the case? Because when things get shaken, I don't like it. When things get shaken, I say to myself, well, this isn't how it's supposed to be. This isn't how it should be. And this is because my love is weak. My love is small. It's not a divine love. When our Lord says, seek first the kingdom of heaven, he's trying to give us a lens through which to look at all of our life. Because another way to put this is, and I'll be really blunt here, we're all here for Christ. We are not here for each other. Now, I know I said something controversial there, but let me, under, let me explain that a little bit more. When our focus is upon Christ first and foremost, everything else comes together. Because what happens is when my focus is on Christ, I begin to be filled with divine love. And as I'm filled with divine love, my love towards the people around me expands and expands. This is why that paradox I mentioned before of holy people where the people around them don't understand them, complain about them, insult them, and yet those holy people actually have a deeper love for them than the love that they experience from other worldly people. So there are times in our life when we have to remind ourselves, I'm here for Christ. Not just in our church community, in our very families. I am here for Christ. Because sometimes things come into our lives that really challenge that. And if our focus is upon the turmoil that we experience from another person's circumstance or from our own circumstance, and we lose that focus upon Christ, then we're on a a sea that's turning around, swirling around, or a roller coaster, whatever analogy you want to imagine. There's so many ways in which we make our lives into turmoil and disarray of our human love. We are here for Christ, here on this earth for Christ, and we must make that our focus. We cannot have any other idols because God has given us our families. Let us not make them into idols. God has given us our communities. Let us not make them into idols. Everything that God has given us is a blessing from God alone and not something that slips into becoming idolatry. So easy, my brothers and sisters, so easy. So may God be our only focus, and as he becomes our only focus, we will love everyone around us more 
more deeply, more permanently in a way that they need to feel the love of Christ. Amen.